Ride or Die listeners, welcome back. And I'm really excited today. I have an agent on the show for the very first time, and she's going to be answering a couple questions for us. Her name is Susie Townsend, and she is with New Leaf Literary. She's agent to some authors as uh, Natalie Lloyd, Cora Carmack, Victoria Aviard, and Lori Lee. How are you, Susie? I'm good. I, I'm excited to be on the podcast. It's your first time on a podcast, right? It is my first time on a podcast. I feel a little nervous, but no. hopefully I won't mess up my words. You won't. Don't worry. And if you do, I'll just edit them out. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we got, um, I got some questions on like Instagram and Twitter and on Facebook, um, for Susie. So I have 10 things that I'm going to ask her today and um, it should be really fun and informative for authors and writers and just people who like books. So let's get started. Um, number one is how did you get into agenting? So that's a, a very kind of roundabout answer. Um, in terms of how I got into it, I was actually a high school English teacher when I first graduated college with my English degree and didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I started teaching and I taught for one year in Miami and then I taught for six years in San Diego. And while I was in San Diego, probably my last few years teaching, I was, I liked it, but I was kind of feeling like maybe it wasn't what I wanted to do forever. Mm -hmm. And, um, I used to always tell my students when they were applying to colleges and like, you know, thinking about what they wanted to major in, I used to always tell them like, well, think about like things that you love to do and like what kind of career would pay you to do that and then like work backwards. And of course, what I loved to do most was to read. So at some point I was kind of thinking about it and I was like, you know, oh, I'd love to work with books. I'd love to read. Like who would pay mm. me to read? <laughs> and, um, but, you know, there's not really, there weren't really many publishing opportunities in San Diego. Um, and so it just kind of was like something in the back of my mind. And then, <laughs> strangely enough, the, um, the guy I was dating broke mm -hmm. up with me. Uh -oh. And we had been living together. And so I was like, well, now I have to move. And I suddenly was kind of like, maybe I should just move to New York and try to get into publishing. And that's what I did. Oh my God, I drove, this is like a sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> I drove my 14 foot rent a truck oh and I towed my car behind me. I had my four dogs at the time all in the, the, the cab of the oh truck. Oh my gosh. And um, I drove across the country, stopped at a few friends' houses who lived on the way. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I got here. And I was like, hello, world, I want to get into publishing. <laughs> and it was sort of right during the publishing depression of 2007, 2008, and um, no one was hiring. Oh, no. And so I applied for a bunch of jobs at publishing houses, and I was in that weird position where I had a master's degree and I was older. I wasn't right out of college, but I was applying for very entry level positions mm -hmm. and I just wasn't, I just didn't get anything. And so I was thinking like, well, I think I have a year of savings, which really was only like six months, but I was like, yeah. I think I have enough savings that like I can try to, I can keep trying. And then if, if it doesn't work, I can go back to teaching and I'll just teach here. 
And, um, and so I found an unpaid internship at a literary agency uh, and was like, well, I'll just, I'll see what this is. I'll apply for this. And I applied and the person who was looking for interns, she emailed me back like the next day and was like, can you come in for an interview tomorrow? And I was like, yes. And she, at the, so immediately then I was like, I have to read books that this, this agency has done. So I went out and bought four books that were on their website. Mm-hmm. I was like flipping through them all and trying to be prepared. And then it was kind of the funniest interview I've ever been to because, you know, I went in with my like pantsuit and I was like super ready. And the girl who interviewed me was in jeans and like a band t-shirt. <laughs> and she uh... asked me five, she asked me five questions. And it was basically along the lines of like, do you like to read? What do you like to read? Could you read things that are bad and write notes? <laughs> and, um, and then like, when could you start? And I was like, tomorrow. And so she hired me. Like, oh my on the spot. gosh. Um, and I went in the next day. Um, and it was funny cause coming from academia, people are sort of literary snobs mm. and, um, and it's a little embarrassing to be like, I read this vampire novel. Yeah. So my first day as an intern, one of the agents was like, what do you like to read? And so I was like, oh, I'll read anything. Which now that I'm an agent, I know is like the worst answer because it's so annoying. <laughs> and, um, but, and so then she was like, well, what are the last five books you read? And I was so embarrassed because it was like a Charlene Harris novel and Janine Frost. It was like all this like paranormal romance. <laughs> And I would have been so embarrassed to tell people I worked with when I was teaching because everyone would have been like, ugh. Um, And so, but I told her and she was like, that's amazing. I love sci-fi fantasy. You can read for me. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. And I just was this wonderful moment where I was like, I have found my people. I love that. I love that so much, especially because you were apprehensive to tell her. And then it ended up being like a nice response instead of something mean. Yes, no, it, it ended up being actually the perfect response. And now that I am an agent and have interned or interviewed interns, I know that that is such a much better answer than someone who's like, oh, I read War and Peace. Cause you're like, okay, well that's not, that wasn't published this year. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I interned at the agency and, and thankfully uh, position opened up while I was there and they offered me a job as an assistant. And, um, and then after being an assistant for a few months, I found a project and no one at the agency at the time was doing commercial YA fiction. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it was, you know, in the sort of height of paranormal. Um, and so I got a, a manuscript that, uh, came into my boss and it was a, um, angel demon romance thing. Um, and I loved it so much. Mm -hmm. And I kept, I was like, I should, I should do this. And I made a huge like PowerPoint presentation with all the reasons that I should do it. And I, I started to tell my boss and he was like, I mean, if you want to offer, you can, but like, you might not get it. She has other offers and she might go with someone else. And Mm -hmm. I was like, okay. Um, and then I offered and she decided to go with me and I sold the book at auction. And then my boss was like, Oh, well, you can take on clients as, you know, <laughs> as long as you got your assistant work done, you can take on some clients. And I was like, yay. Oh, so amazing. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> so, yeah, so it ended up all being very good. 
Yeah, that's that's so cool. I feel like um, I I really like um, hearing how agents got into agenting because I feel like everybody's story is so wildly different. There's no like path like like if you're an accountant or whatever. Everybody comes from different places, um, so it's always cool to see how agents got into the job. Yes, I know. It's it. I feel like a lot of people don't you don't necessarily go like grow up and think like I oh I want to be a literary agent Mm -hmm. because it's a bit unclear like what that job really is (laughs) yeah um and so it wasn't anything I had ever thought about until all of a sudden it was an option yeah okay um so the next question is uh what are the top three mistakes you see in query letters um so I mean they're the really obvious mistakes like when People spell my name wrong, which is, it's not a big deal, but it is kind of strange because mm-hmm. you, my name is in the the email address or in the subject line. And so it's kind of like, why did you spell it two different ways? But um, Or the worst is when people misspell the word query. Oh, but, no. Um, so there are like the sort of like big obvious things, but I, I, I'll focus more on kind of like what are the common mistakes for people who have been conscientious and like have done their research. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that the, probably the number one top mistake is that the query is confusing. And okay. a lot of that is probably because as an author, when you write a query letter, you know everything about your novel. And so it's hard to sort of think about what does someone who knows nothing about your novel need to know. Yeah. Um, and so I would definitely recommend having people who have not read your book, read it, read the query and like tell you like what they think the book is about, because sometimes it can be, I'll read a query and I'll be like, I don't know, there's just so much information. I can't tell what the plot is. And that's the most important thing for me to know. A seasoned military officer uncovers a deadly conspiracy on a distant, war-torn planet. War heroes aren't usually called out of semi-retirement and sent to the far reaches of the galaxy for a routine investigation. So when Colonel Carl Butler answers the call from an old and powerful friend, he knows it's something big, and he's not being told the whole story. The answers are there. Butler just has to make it back alive. Find out what happens in Planet Side by Michael Mamey. Out July 31st, 2018, from Harper Voyager. Find the truth. Stop the war. Um, and, like, along those lines, I would definitely recommend using concise sentences when possible. A lot of writers, obviously, you know, have great command of language, and so they can write very long sentences. And some of them are wonderful in a manuscript. But in a query, again, when the agent doesn't really know anything about the book and it can be that those sort of long sentences can add to the confusion of it. So using shorter sentences can often be really helpful. Another big mistake that I see is that people will, they'll, they'll focus so much on the plot or the action or the world building and kind of their character gets lost. Mm -hmm. And I would say that for me, and for a lot of agents, I think, you know, I'll follow a character that I love anywhere. And so the plot is very important still, but it's important to know like, who is this character and what, 
what do they want before everything gets crazy? Like what is their, what are their hopes and dreams at the beginning? Because that is, that's what makes them relatable. Um, and then finally, I guess another mistake that I see a lot is, um, is people focusing on either like why they wrote the book or what the themes are in the book. Um, and even sometimes like how they would market the book or like why they think the book will stand out. Um, and it's, while all of those things are, are great things for an author to know themselves, they're just, you don't need them in the query stage. And so they end up taking up words and taking up space that they're just not going to have any impact. Um, and like, obviously if you're writing nonfiction, then who you are and why you're writing this book is really important. But as long as you're, if you're writing fiction, it's almost like it's all about the book at the query stage. And so that's where your main focus needs to be. It's like, who is the character? What is their conflict? Um, and like, basically, how can you convince me to want to read their story? Perfect. Um, I think that's also why it's like really important to read guidelines because some agents do ask for like, what, what are the three main themes? Like I've seen that on, you know, agents like on their publisher's marketplace profile. Um, but that's a very specific thing. Most people aren't going to ask for something like that. Um, so, so that's really good advice for people to keep in mind. Um, so question number three is contests or slush. Where do you get the most clients from? So definitely from slush, I would say that the majority of my clients are, are from the just, you know, unsolicited queries. Mm -hmm. Um, I I have definitely signed a few clients from, uh, either like Twitter pitch events or, um, different contests. Uh, and I also, I think I signed a client once that I met at a conference, although she did query me in the slush later. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I have, I have one client who was referred to me sort of like outside publishing. Okay. But, um, but definitely the majority, probably like 75% of my clients all queried me without ever having known me or anything like that. Um, and so I, I would say that the contests are so great and they're definitely like, I think, especially like a pitch contest, it really teaches you, you know, how to pitch your book and, and different things to think about. And you get to see, um, people's reactions to a pitch, which I think is really important. Mm -hmm. Um, but I always say during the, the Twitter pitch events that like, if I don't request something directly that people should query me anyway. And I would, I would say that for all, all writers and all agents, you know, if an agent that you're really interested in doesn't, request your pitch from a contest, like query them anyway, because it doesn't hurt. Um, even if they don't request it as a query, like you're no worse off. And, um, and there's always a chance that they didn't see your pitch. And, and that is one of the drawbacks to some of the big contests and pitch events is that there's when, because they're popular and so many people are participating, sometimes you don't see everything. Uh, so yeah, those are my thoughts on that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, a lot of um so I of some of the questions that I got were from the um uh me and 
uh, another author, we run the DV Pit Hopefuls Facebook group. And um, one of the concerns that people had, like, was during pitch contests when agents weren't liking their pitches. And I kept telling them, like, it's okay, guys. Like, that is not, that doesn't mean anything about your book. It just, you know, maybe your book is a quieter book or maybe the pitch is just not hitting or maybe the people who would like it aren't seeing it. Everything that you just said. So listen to Susie. If you're not going (laughs) to listen to me, at least listen to Susie. Um, So um, question number four is once you sign a client, what happens? Is there an average slash standard time before going on submission? And can you also, for people who don't know what submission is, explain it, please. Yes, definitely. So, um, when I sign a client, I mean, the, the first thing that happens is, you know, after I've requested a manuscript and fallen in love with it, um, as I talk to the author and I have a call with them and there's definitely a chance that they have their manuscript with other agents as well. Um, and so they would then go to all the other agents who have it and say like, I have an offer of representation and then hopefully they sign with me. And then if they do, so like the first step would be, um, to get an agency agreement signed. Um, and it's basically a contract between newly for whatever agency the agent works at and the author. Um, and it's important definitely with all contracts that, um, or agreements that you read everything and ask any questions for things that you don't understand. Um, I think sometimes, particularly when people are so excited to have an agent, they're reluctant to ask questions about Mm -hmm. things they might not understand. And you should definitely just bite the bullet and ask the questions because it's important. Um, And your agent will want you to understand everything and know what all the details are. So so we'll sign an agreement. Oftentimes the writer will announce online that we're working together, which is always fun um, and exciting because everybody is very happy for good news. And, um, And then that's then kind of where the hard work starts. Um, most of the time when I talk to an author and offer representation, I'll tell them what my thoughts are in the manuscript and, uh, what sort of potential editing we're in store for. Um, and this is, this is kind of like, you know, one of the things that an agent does that sometimes I don't think people anticipate. Um, but agents will often edit a manuscript and work on it before sending it to editors, which that sounds kind of silly, but um, basically an agent gets everything ready so that an editor is going to read it and be like, I must buy this book. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while the author is editing, then I start thinking about the submission process. And in terms of what that entails is I think of like who are editors at different publishing houses that I want to submit the book to. And these might be editors that I have recently had meetings with or that I know really well, that I know are looking for a book like this. Um, I might also be thinking like, oh, I think this would be a good person, but we haven't met in a while, so I should reach out to them, see what they're, what they're up to. Um, and then when the book is all edited and we think that it's shiny and as perfect as the author and I can possibly make it together, then I send the book to editors. I will usually call them uh, unless, you know, if they know something is coming in the next few days, then I'll just send them an email. But um, I will reach out and sort of 
express my excitement for the book, send them the manuscript via email, then hopefully they download it to their e-reader and read it right away and make us an offer for money. <laughs> uh, but, um, an offer but, for money. <laughs> yes. But um, sometimes the, sometimes of course, editors don't read right away. And so then what I do is follow up with them in a few weeks to mm-hmm. say, Hey, I'm so excited about this book. Have you had a chance to read it yet? I'd love <laughs> to hear your thoughts. And, um, and kind of keep poking them until someone is like, Oh, I love it so much. Or until someone is like, Oh, you know, I read it. And sadly it's not for me. Here are my yeah. thoughts. Um, and then as long as the author is someone who wants to know feedback, which some of my authors would much rather only hear good news and that's fine. But if it's someone who does want to know what all the feedback is, then I would then let the author know like, Hey, we heard from this person. It's a pass. Here's why. Don't worry. Um, and everybody gets those, those passes, even big bestselling books got passes. So it's nothing to, to worry about in terms of average or standard time before going on submission. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, there is no real average. It really depends on a number of different things. Um, partly how much work, how how much revision does the book need? Um, and then along those lines, um, you know, what is the author's schedule like as well? You know, if you're, Mm -hmm someone who works a full-time job and has kids and has a lot of things going on, you might not be able to revise as quickly as someone who's like, I just sit at home and write all day. Um, and that's fine. So I think it, it just kind of depends a little bit on the book and the author. Um, it is always my goal to, and I think every agent's goal to go on submission as quickly as possible in the sense of like, we want to get the book into perfect shape and we want to get it out there and we want to sell it. Um, you know, agents work on commission, which means when we take on an author, you don't make any money until you sell their book. So, you know, I like handbags and and (laughs) nice things. So I like to travel. So I definitely want to get the submission out there. I think that it's the important thing that I would say to authors is that, it's really important to get the manuscript into the best shape that it can be um, before going on submission, because even if it takes longer, it's going to be so much better when you go on submission mm-hmm. and get an offer versus going on submission when the book's not quite ready and having an, a bunch of editors come back and be like, well, I liked it, but yeah. um, because you can, you can always revise again and potentially go on another submission round but you can't necessarily go back to those imprints or those editors unless mm-hmm. they've said they want to see it again. Yeah. Uh, and so you definitely, you just have much better options if you do all of that revising up front. Okay, perfect. Um, so question number five is, are agents apprehensive about signing clients who live outside of the UK or the US? No, um, I would say that there there probably is one drawback to signing an author who is not local. Actually make that two. Um, there's extra tax paperwork, which honestly is not, it doesn't affect me at all because I don't have to do the tax paperwork. It just affects the author because you're getting paid 
if you're getting, if you live in a different country and you're getting paid from the United States when you sell your book, dependent on your country's tax laws, you have to fill out different tax paperwork so that your country gets taxed um, or gets the, the tax that they feel they deserve uh, from your income. And so that is just like, it's one of those things that when we fill out the agency agreement, usually, you know, what, what I ask is kind of like, where it's your citizenship and your, obviously your address and everything like that, like, so that we can help you figure out what are the tax forms that you need to fill out. Yeah. Um, and that is, so that's like a paperwork thing. Um, it's a little bit annoying, but it's certainly not a drawback in terms of a reason that I wouldn't sign someone. Okay. The other thing, and it's certainly not a reason that I wouldn't sign anyone, but it is a thing to consider is that a lot of times when, you know, particularly when an author is writing middle grade, school visits tend to be really important and really helpful in terms of building a book and building an audience. Mm. And I've definitely had editors pass on books. Um, if you know that it's a UK editor and the author doesn't live in the UK or sometimes if it's a US editor and the author doesn't live in the US, I've had editors say like, I really liked this, but we're worried that we would need the author to do school visits and they don't live here. And like, we're just not sure that our sales team could do a, like a good enough job. And it's always a bummer because, you know, of course, my thought is always, but, but if you like the book, just try it anyway. <laughs> um, but like once, you know, and a lot of editors, I'm sure that they feel the same way um, and face the same frustrations. Um, my, um, you know, many editors and every house has like a different policy, but editors often have to go through an acquisitions board. They have to get their boss on board. They have to get some second readers who agree that they like the manuscript. And then they might also have to get like their marketing team on board or their sales team on board or their book club people on board. Who knows? So, you know, if you have to get all those people on board and then you have some people that are like, I don't know, um, then that can be sometimes an excuse that they come back with of like, well, we're not sure, you know, this is a drawback. And, um, and so, I mean, it certainly hasn't stopped me in terms of selling books. I have several clients who, you know, do not live in the U S and do have a U.S. book deal. Um, and I have several clients who live in the UK um, and have US deals and UK deals and like vice versa. Um, and I'm actually thinking, I don't, I had a client who was living in Australia, but she is not anymore. So um, that's a little bit different. And I mm -hmm. think uh, one of my colleagues has a client who lives in Germany. But so we certainly do work with people. It's a little bit less common, um, but that, that never really affects whether I want to work with someone. Okay. Cool. Um, so how many clients is too many for an agent to have is question number six. So I'm not sure there's like any specific number that I can give because it's very dependent on, um, on the authors that an agent has and how much time they have. Um, so I think that, and I mean, my first boss in publishing had like 80 clients. But 
a lot of them were clients that had written nonfiction and published a book. And then like, maybe they'll publish another book in 10 years, but maybe not. Mm -hmm. Um, and so obviously a client like that didn't take him a bunch of time. Once the book came out, they kind of then went and did their own things. And, you know, later if they came back and were like, I have another idea, it was fine. But whereas, you know, a romance author might be writing three or four books a year. Um, and that is going to then involve a lot more of the agent sort of, you know, doing things with the author. Um, and similarly, I would say that sometimes an author, when you have, um, you know, a really big name author who particularly if they have a movie or a TV show that the agent is going to be very busy in terms of, you know, helping that author manage everything that's happening. And so that can definitely be a time suck. And so it's all about how much time the agent has. And I know that's not super helpful when you're querying because you don't know how much right. time different okay. agents have. But I would say that definitely something when you get an offer of representation from an agent, a good thing to do is to reach out to their to a few of their clients and ask them a couple questions, almost like you're, you're asking for references um, for the agent. And I would definitely ask those clients, you know, how long does it take for the agent to get back to you if you have a question? If you, how long does it take the agent to read a new manuscript? How long does it take an agent to get you revision notes? And those things are going to help give you context in terms of how much time the agent has. I can definitely say that obviously as a brand new agent, I had a lot more time than I have as an agent with like 30 some clients. Um, and so I, I think that probably there were in the beginning, there are a few lucky authors who would send me a manuscript and the next day I would be like, I love it so much. Here are my thoughts. Uh, and it, that definitely doesn't happen as much anymore. Um, and so, so I would say that, you know, it, it usually takes me between two and four weeks to get back to an author with their notes. Um, you know, and, and sometimes if there's some, a project on a deadline that needs my notes beforehand, then obviously that gets bumped up the pile. Mm. So, so I think that's, you know, that's kind of where I am. Um, I talked to someone recently who I told her that and she was like, Oh, that's fast. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> so I, I think that you can talk to like hearing from different agents and different authors about their agent is something that will give you more context, um, in terms of, in terms of whether the agent potentially is too busy or not. Okay. I don't know. I hope that's helpful. <laughs> yeah. Um, d would you say that it makes a difference having like an assistant versus not having an assistant? Yes. Um, I mean, so I have an assistant and she does my calendar, which is so helpful. Um, because you, you know, when ca scheduling things, you tend to do a lot of emailing back and forth being like, well, I have these days free and maybe at this time. And when I first got, got into this industry, that always seemed like very easy to me. Like, why would anyone need an assistant to do that? Um, and then now that my, I have more things going on and more people asking for meetings, um, I learned the hard way after I double booked myself several times oh, no. that 
it would be very helpful <laughs> if I turned that over to an assistant. Yeah. So she schedules things like calls and meetings and different things like that. And she keeps everything very organized. Um, she's also really great um, in that sometimes when I have a project that maybe I've read several times um, and I need a fresh set of eyes on, she'll also read it and then we can talk about it and bounce ideas back and forth. So that's really helpful. Um, and she helps keep track of my spreadsheets, which is also very helpful. <laughs> so, you know, she does a lot of organizational things for me. Um, I think that, you know, I value her feedback, but I don't ever have her read something without me. Um, and, and I think that is something there's like a plus and a minus in terms of, of having an agent with an assistant. And that I think that sometimes the assistant can, they can sometimes answer questions for you and be quicker. They can, you know, potentially like look up paperwork things that you need or help you out or get you scheduled, uh, and things like that, which are, are very helpful. Um, and she does certainly, my assistant does give me a little bit more time because she's, since she's handi handling all of my administrative work, I have more time to read and actually talk to clients and editors. Um, but, um, but I would say that, you know, most authors probably, they want the agent to be the one reading and giving notes. And I think that there's definitely value in getting second reads from people, but obviously you want your agent to also read your book. So the next question um, is about fantasy, the fantasy genre. So um, where do you see the genre going in the next five to 10 years? Will YA fantasy ever be quote unquote over in your opinion? Oh, um, so I don't know that YA fantasy will ever be over or ever be like dead the way that paranormal and dystopian um, kind of went through phases or everyone was like, I don't want that. Um, and I would say that that's because fantasy is, has always been what's considered a niche genre in mm -hmm. that they, there are people who just read fantasy. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that, you know, we've certainly seen um, books, a lot of really popular fantasy books come out in the past like couple years. And I've heard a lot of people say like, oh, I didn't realize I liked fantasy. And then I read this book and, and now I like fantasy. Mm. And I think that's great. But I think there will still always be people out there who don't want to read contemporary and who really gravitate towards fantasy and other worlds. Um, so I think fantasy in YA will always be there. I do think that we are already seeing editors say things like, oh, I already have a fantasy like that on my list. Um, and I think that one of the things that as any genre becomes very popular and a lot of people are writing it and there are a lot of books coming out, what basically you see sort of like a, a loss in sales on the, basically there's so many books out um, and there's only so many people who buy them. And so you see like a decline in actual book sales from stores okay. and then bookstores order less copies of new books like that from the publisher. So they don't have many, as many copies to return. And so then the sales team tells editors like, Oh, we don't want that much more like this. We're, we're having trouble selling more books like this. And so then editors, are like, oh, my list is kind of full with that right now. 
Um, and so I think that one of the things that is worth thinking about is, you know, sort of what books already live in the marketplace and how to do a YA fantasy um, or to how to do a sort of, you know, very popular genre in a way that's different. Mm. Um, and the example I often use is that there was certainly a time in publishing where if you said like, oh, I have an angel and demon book that any agent or editor would have been like, oh, that's dead. Like that'll never yeah. sell. And then Lainey Taylor wrote Daughter of Smoke and Bone, which is kind of an angel demon book. Mm -hmm. It's just not Christian mythology. It's very different. Um, and it's so different. And of course she's such a wonderful writer. And so that was sold and was published at a time when, when anyone would have said like, Oh, no angels and demons. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of one thing to think about is that, you know, even when there are sort of dead genres, there are workarounds if the book feels different. And I think that's the key is it has to feel like it's not something that people have read before. Um, because, you know, I mean, I love elemental fantasy, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of elemental fantasies, people who can control water or fire or different things like that. And like, yeah. it's great, but there's a lot of it. Mm-hmm. So maybe instead of elemental magic, like come up with magic from a different system or different elements that aren't, you know, the common elements. I don't know. But I think that that's just kind of one thing to think about. Okie dokie. Um, So this one I'm actually curious about myself. Uh, Question eight is what's the difference between an agent and a junior agent? The person who sent it in said, just curious because as I'm querying, I'm seeing various titles. Yeah, no. And so because agencies... Um, there's so many of them and they're often small businesses. You'll see different titles. Um, and some agencies will use the title junior agent and some agencies won't. Um, so I would say that probably a junior agent and an associate agent or an assistant agent are all people who are early in their agenting career. Um, maybe they are assisting, um, a, an agent on the side and like starting to build their own list. Maybe they have sort of like just finished assisting and they're building their own list and they're still starting out. Um, and so, and whereas then most likely someone who's just listed as an agent is someone who is just agenting at the same time, you'll certainly run into some agencies that don't use any title other than agent mm-hmm. um, and some agents who are just starting out and they're still listed as just agent. Um, so I would say that kind of the best way to figure out um, when you're querying of like what something like that means is to look up on um, usually agents will list like on their website or on a publisher's marketplace page what projects they've sold. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's certainly nothing wrong with an agent who is just starting or has only sold one book or hasn't sold anything. Um, But I would say that you definitely want to work with an agent if they haven't sold anything that they, they either, maybe they were an editor in the past or they work at an agency with other people who have sold things. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, you, you certainly want someone who, knows how to guide you in publishing. Um, but of course, you know, we all have to start somewhere, you know, once upon a time I didn't have any sales either. 
Um, so, so there's, there's nothing wrong with querying people who are just starting to build their lists, um, or someone who's a junior agent. Um, you, you just want to know that they're supported by people who have experience at their agency. Yeah, that's the, that's the advice that I give people when it's like a newer agent. I'm like, well, look at the agency overall. And if there are people there who know what they're doing, who are, have been around for a while, um, then you're probably in good hands. Um, so question number nine is what are you hoping to see in your inbox right now? Hmm. Uh, so I think this is always such a hard question, which <laughs> maybe it shouldn't be, but, um, I'd love to see more middle grade. Um, you know, I definitely, I, my sweet spot for middle grade is the sort of like, um, you know, either like fantasy or um, magical realism, something with with an adventure, but also, you know, something with a really wonderful character that I can relate to, even mm. though I'm not a middle grade child anymore. <laughs> um, in your heart, you yeah, are. In my heart. <laughs> um, and um, I'm not like, a, I'm not like a fart joke person, so mm. probably not that kind of middle grade, but <laughs> Um, but I definitely, I'd love to see more of that. Um, I'd also, I'm still really trying to build, um, my adult fiction list, um, which I think I, I started with YA, um, and that made a ton of sense because I had just come from high school teaching Mm -hmm. and I was at an agency where no one else did YA. Um, so it was great. Um, but I would definitely say that I, what I have the most on my list right now is YA. And so, I would definitely still, I definitely still love all things YA. Um, but I think what I'm really looking for is I'd love some more romance. Um, I would, I w- would love some fantasy romance on the adult side. Um, I just recently, I had a meeting with an editor, um, and she was telling me how she had done a, um, a fantasy romance and like, she hadn't been quite sure that it would work on the adult market, but she kept saying like, you know, it's doing so well in YA, like why not an adult? Um, and so she published, it was three books. Um, the series was called the Kingmaker Chronicles and she gave me all three books and I read them in a weekend. They were so good. Oh wow! Um, the first one was called a promise of fire. It's by Amanda Boucher. And I loved it so much. Um, and so I would love to see more of that. I, there's not a lot of fantasy romance, on the adult side and like, you know, people, people who are loving, you know, Sarah J Moss and Lee Bardugo and, you know, Victoria Aveyard, I'm sure they would also like fantasy romance as they got older. And so I think that would be really cool. Um, and I'd love to see more, uh, women's fiction, more mysteries and thrillers. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, is there any client news that you'd like to share? Um, so, so I just announced, uh, I guess it was yesterday or two days ago. Um, we, I recently sold a pitch wars book, um, called if these wings could fly by Jerry McCauley. Um, and that was very exciting to announce. Um, so we sold, we sold the book in an auction and, then almost very quickly, we went on um, submission with foreign rights and closed several deals as well. So Amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. It's awesome. 
Um, so I have a bonus question for you. Um, can you share either, I do this with all the authors, so I'm going to do it with you as well. Either your most embarrassing publishing moment or something that you wish you'd known before you got into, um, being an agent. So one of the things that I hadn't really thought about, um, and that I kind of wish that I had known or that people should know about agenting is that when you get in, when you get into agenting, the, the job is very different, uh, from what it is after you've been in it for a while. And after you have clients that are publishing books and are successful in the beginning, it's all reading requested material and editing and getting things ready to sell. Um, and that is still probably one of my favorite things, you know, discovering a new author, um, and a new book that I love is so exciting. Um, and selling an author's debut novel is, it just feels so wonderful to, to be able to be like, I helped you on this journey. Um, and so those are still things that I love so much. Um, but I would definitely say that as I got more into this and as I've had more authors with more books and, and and books that have done better and better. One of the biggest parts of this job is wading into conflict um, and being the middleman between an author and a publisher, or sometimes between a publisher and a Hollywood studio, or you know, de- definitely just like different uh, entities. Um, and being like, all right, you're unhappy and you're unhappy. How can we make you both the least unhappy? Um, yeah. And, um, and it's, it's interesting. Cause I think that there was a point where I was like, wow, I'm just dealing with conflict all the time, but I think I've gotten better at it. So that's good. Um, but I think that, you know, I, I think that that also applies to authors as well, uh, in the sense that in the beginning, it's all, all you're doing is writing. Um, yeah. and it's the writing and the editing that you're doing. And then it's once the book comes out and once your books, you know, continue to sell, your and your career starts to take off, the things that you end up spending a lot of time on are also going to change. Um, and one piece of advice that I got as an agent um, was to always make sure that like, no matter how busy I was and no matter what was going on, that I continued to read my queries and try to find things that I loved. And if I didn't have time to take something on, to try to, you know, forward it to a colleague and be like, you should do this book. I think it's great. Um, and be part of an author's journey that way. Um, because then as you're dealing with things that maybe are not your favorite part of the job, um, you're still also getting to do the things that first drew you to the job in, in, in the beginning. And I would say that as an author, definitely, you know, never lose sight of the fact that, you started writing because you love to write and you love to tell stories and publishing can be a very sort of like up and down journey. Mm. And I think that, you know, it's always, always make sure that you have time to write and have time to sort of discover characters and their stories and enjoy it. Um, because it definitely, there, there will be moments where you're like, why I hate this. Why am I doing it? (laughs) Um, and there will be the like low moments where you're like, I'm terrible. And in those moments, don't hesitate to reach out to your agent um, and ask for some cheerleading because we're always there to tell you how much we love your work. 
All right, thank you, Susie, so much. I know people are going to love this interview and get so much out of it. Um, can you tell my listeners where they can um, follow you online and if they do want to send you a query, where they should send that to? Yes. Um, so I am on Twitter and Instagram. My handle on both is SZTownsend81 because I am not very smart and put the year that I was born in my handle, um, which was like really cool when I was like 25, but whatever. Um, and then um, you can query me. Um, our submission guidelines are on our website, which is newleafliterary.com. And if you go to the sort of contact page, there's a link to submission guidelines. But basically, I ask that authors send me a query to the New Leaf query email and just put query dash Susie in the subject line. Um, and that email is query at newleafliterary.com. And just for anyone who's like, I don't know how to spell query, that is Q-U-E-R-Y. <laughs> Now I want to I mean, know how people spell it. So I, I got just some really weird spellings, like with a double R or like R-I-E or R. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Write or Die. Please don't forget to check out all the links in the show notes below and follow me on Twitter at Clarabelle underscore Ortega. See you next week.